Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome again to our midweek devotional refresh. Close-ups of Jesus through the lens of Mark. We're starting chapter 11, and let me just say this by way of introduction. If, if you weren't working through the whole book, there are some tricky uh, accounts in our text tonight. They're not the kind of things you'd even study. They, they have perplexed and raised questions among Bible readers for a long time. You, you start to see a corner being turned here where, where uh, the battle between uh, those religious leaders who were devout keepers in their mind of the old covenant, the, the, the Jewish covenant, they want to maintain it and regulate it and control it while all the while ignoring the one to whom the old covenant uh, predicted and looked and prophesied, the one who would fulfill the old covenant. So what you see here, this is a very common misunderstanding. What you're going to see here is not just a, a conflict between Jesus and religion. There's even a prominent book out now called The End of Religion. And I'm not on social media, but my wife shows me posts of, of even people in our own fellowship who have this idea in their head that it was organized religion that killed Jesus. And, and it, it really, it, it doesn't quite catch it. I mean, it wasn't organized religion in general. It's the transition from the old covenant Jewish system and the leaders that wanted to maintain it, all the while ignoring the fulfillment of that covenant in Jesus Christ. So it, it wasn't like organized religion got a hold of Jesus and killed him, and isn't organized religion a terrible thing? That's not the point. I mean, Jesus makes it perfectly clear. Jesus himself says, no one takes my life from me, Jesus said. I, I lay it down. Last week, we studied how Jesus said he came to give his life a ransom for many. No one takes my life from me, Jesus said. Is that what you think? The Jews? You think the Jews are killing me? You think it's the Roman soldiers? Now, they're involved. But why is Jesus dying? Well, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is acting out the redemption of mankind that was in the Father's plan from the Garden of Eden. So what you have here, and you'll see it in the text tonight, everything is designed to point to this conflict between the Old Covenant and its fulfillment. Jesus goes to great lengths to show he is what all of these religious leaders were supposed to be looking for the whole time. You'll see the last miracle Jesus ever performed outside of his resurrection. The last miracle Jesus performs is in our text tonight. And it's not even a nice miracle. It seems like a real harsh miracle, and it points to something. You'll see Jesus laboring throughout the study tonight to say, all you guardians of the old covenant, you Jewish guardians of the old covenant, why can't you see I'm the one you've been waiting for? That's the conflict here. Not Jesus against organized religion. Old covenant versus new is what you're seeing unfold in the study tonight. Let's start. With all that preamble, Mark 11, I'm going to read 20 verses. And what you see here is Jesus goes public, forcing the hand of his enemies. Mark 11, 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, 
at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away. They found a colt tied at the door outside in the street and they untied it. Verse 5, and some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. 11. And he entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So he was looking at something, checking something out. Then he goes back, twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, He went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Look at this response in 14. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. 15. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Look at 16. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. 17. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. Wow. 18. And the chief priests and scribes heard it. And were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city, and as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. I mean, there's just so much there. Let's try and pick some of the, the thoughts out of it. I mean, the the church has traditionally called this the triumphal entry, and we get that, but it's it's this blend of of light and dark, triumph and tragedy. You start to see some of the dark edges now as things are coming to a head with Jesus. So let's look at some of these things. A, clearly Jesus knows he is fulfilling the scriptures this day. All this thing about the colt, the details, make sure you find the colt, a colt no one's been on. Here's what you say if someone asks you. This is very important to Jesus. Why? Jesus recognizes that he, he, wants, he wants to make it as obvious as he can to these old covenant keepers. That's the battle here, right? He wants to make it clear to them that he is the one to whom the old covenant pointed. And so this whole thing with the colt, Jesus is thinking, Zechariah, 
the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, and it reads like this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous, having salvation is he. Humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. And so here you have Jesus trying his best. The battle between the fulfillment of the new covenant and, and, the, and the tenacious, stubborn holding on to the old while ignoring Jesus. Jesus wants to make it as obvious as he can that he is the one to whom this old covenant pointed. And so you have this first step, this fulfillment of this prophecy of the cult. B, while Jesus knew the nature of this fulfillment, the crowd and even his own disciples really didn't. I see this more in John, same account, John chapter 12, verse 16. John writes, his disciples do not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So the crowd was at this excited peak. They're shouting, 1110, blessed is the kingdom, the coming kingdom of our father David. And probably they were thinking about an immediate messianic kingdom. They didn't understand. Now, remember, remember, John tells us that this entry follows right on the heels. In John's gospel, it follows right on the heels of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. That's in John 12, 17 to 19. So these people, these people are at a fevered peak of excitement. They want Jesus to be their king. It's the same reaction they had. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? Very same thing. As soon as he fed the 5,000, they wanted to make, they wanted Jesus their, their king. So the nature of the fulfillment, even though Jesus tries with this picture of coming in on the cult, they still don't really get it. See, while the crowd rejoiced, Jesus wept. Here, here's another advantage of having the four Gospels the way we do. You can see how Luke places this. Luke 19, if you have a Bible, look that up. Luke 19, 39 to 44. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, wept, 42, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side, 44, and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. They, they, they would cling to the old covenant, reject the fulfillment in the new. The same theme. It's this recurring theme through our whole study here tonight. So Jesus wasn't taken in by the, the shallow excitement of, of the crowd. Luke sets Jesus tears right in the middle of the crowd's rejoicing. And Jesus says, 
that they're going to be judged. They, they could have known more. They, they could have been paying attention. They needed to accept the fulfillment of the old covenant. They would be judged. You'll see that in a minute. It ties into this whole idea of cursing the fig tree. I'm going to get to that in just a second. D, the public nature of this event is so important. So Jesus is intentionally... Uh, He comes into Jerusalem. You know when he comes? The text says he comes during the Passover. During the Passover. For a couple of reasons. It's the most visible time. The city would swell to double its normal size. But not only that, the Passover. Jesus is himself that Passover lamb. I mean, Passover was such a huge celebration in the Jewish system. Still is to this day. A huge part of that old covenant. And Jesus says, that that was about me. It's at Passover that he comes. That's when he wants to lay down his life. He said to his disciples when he got together with them, he said, I have a Passover that I want to celebrate with you. This idea of Passover was locked into Jesus' mind. And again, it's the same theme. There's the old covenant. These people wanted to celebrate all the old covenant. They wanted to maintain the old covenant, adding regulations to it. But they didn't want the fulfillment of the old covenant on God's terms. Let's look at this cursing of the fig tree. It's in verses 12 to 14. On the following day, when he came from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat from you again, and his disciples heard it. Later on, the text is going to say they saw this fig tree all, all withered up. This has this uh, raised questions for Bible readers for years and years and years. I mean, why would Jesus curse a barren fig tree if it wasn't the season for figs? What's going on here? I think the important point to try and hold together is that everything in this passage— from the coming in on the colt and the fulfillment, Zechariah's prophecy, coming at Passover, Jesus, the fulfillment of the Old Testament Passover. Everything in this text is designed to show the contrast between the blindness of those who would keep the Old Covenant but reject the Messiah, the fulfillment of the covenant. And that's what you see here. This cursing of the fig tree isn't really about figs. You get a picture, an image here. Jesus is, is again, trying to show something in pictorial form. If, if you looked at Isaiah, let me see if I can get my, my Bible open to Isaiah. If you looked at Isaiah chapter 5, here's the same, here's the kind of imagery that Jesus is, like with the cult, Jesus is acting this out visibly in front of them with this fig tree. Here's the idea behind it. Isaiah 5, let's look at about the first seven verses. This is God speaking through the prophet to his people, the Jews. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved has a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it, cleared it of stones, and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the middle of it. He hewed out a wine vat in it, and he he looked for it to yield Grapes, so it's not figs now, grapes. Looked for it to yield grapes. 
but it yielded wild grapes. Now, the parable ends in their specific words. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done for it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. It will be devoured. I will break down its wall. It shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed. Briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, and behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, and behold, outcry. It's, it's the same kind of, the same kind of picture. Now, what you have here with the cursing of the fig tree is you, you can't, you can't just be in preparation mode forever. Leaves are good and they should lead to fruit. The old covenant is important. All the pictures, all the symbols, all the sacrifices, all the prophecies. But, but, but it's, it's just leaves until you see Jesus as the fulfillment of it. And so this isn't about a tree and it's not about figs. Jesus is with his disciples. He's going in to be, to be killed at Passover in Jerusalem. And on way, there's one more show that Jesus can, can try and uh, illustrate what he's all about here. This tree. Leaves are fine, but they have to lead to more. And it's, it's this prediction fulfillment, prophecy fulfillment, old covenant and the thoughts about the Messiah to Jesus, the Messiah, the triune God laying down his life for mankind. There was a basic hypocrisy in those who professed a desire to worship God but wouldn't accept Jesus Christ. That's our world. That's many, most of the religions in our world that, that reject the Messiah, that reject the work of the triune God coming, Isaiah 53. It, it's not, it's, it's organized religion didn't kill Jesus. The, the, the conflict between the old covenant and those who rejected the Messiah. That, that's where this came. It's the priests and the religious leaders of the old covenant who refused to accept Christ. So you have the, the cursing of the fig tree. You have the driving out of the money changers. It's, it's part of the same message, part of the very same message that, uh, oh, how important it is, how important it is you got this whole Bible, Old Covenant and New, how important it is to see everything rooted in God's plan to redeem mankind by himself. All of the prophecies and prefiguring in the sacrificial system, all of it designed to point to Jesus. It's so important to keep Christ at the center of that whole plan. And so, just as the last word he will declare when he comes in power is a word of judgment. There's grace 
but there's judgment for those who reject Jesus. What a study that is. Uh, Mark 11, 1 to 20. Hope you found it helpful. Everything points to Christ, church. There's, 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 there's nothing without a firm understanding of God bearing the sins. God in Christ laying down his life, not having it taken from him, but the plan of salvation. That's what the church proclaims. That's what our World Impact Sunday is going to be all about in, uh, in just a little while. Let's pray. We're grateful for your word, the depth of it, the challenge of it, the truth of it. Give us understanding. Give us a deep devotion to Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus lays down his life. The spirit, the spirit, as we behold the glory of our Lord, we're transformed, Paul says, from one degree of glory to another. Keep us rooted in the gospel and the truth of your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love one another.